1: I'm Stacey Gatsoulias, and I'm the host of the Lockdown Yankees podcast, and today, I have a special guest with me. He's someone I've written with on a couple of sites throughout the years, and we even recorded a few podcasts together back in the day. Say hello to hey, everyone. Radio of River Avenue Blues.
2: Hi everyone, hope you're doing well. Stacy, this is such a nice blast from the past. Uh, I think it's been probably like three years since we recorded a podcast together because I was still living in Connecticut when uh, when when we did.
1: Yeah, and that was before you became a daddy as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, b- before I got married, before I became a dad. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of changes, but mm-hmm. still writing about the Yankees. Yeah.
1: Um, I thought it would be fun just for a second to touch upon. Uh, the controversy from the Home Run Derby. Uh, As a note, we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, You'll be listening to it on Wednesday, but this is like a big thing that's happening today. Uh, Now, I like the new rules. I really do. I think it makes the derby a lot more exciting and... Stressful.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely makes it move at a at a faster pace than the uh, the ten outs format. Uh, I didn't love the sp- the split screen; I thought it was kind of visually unappealing. But I get why they have to have it with the the timing and the rules there. Uh, but that last round was was really all like I caught the end of the semifinals and then that final round um, and that run Harper went on just before the thirty second bonus was insane. Uh, I even tweeted, "I don't think he's going to do this," and then. He he did it. Uh, he just went on an absolute tear.
1: Yeah. Like in the last 45 seconds, he hit. Now, I saw a stat from ESPN, uh, Stats and Info, that he had a run of nine home runs on 26 swings. And then when it got down to the last like 45 seconds or so, he hit home runs on nine of 10 of his swings. Oh my God. Because I thought the same thing when the time was going down. I'm like, man, he's really not going to do this. And then he went on a tear and I was like, holy crap, he's actually going to do this.
2: Yeah. And it's just a reminder of how powerful his swing is. Um, I remember this was a long time ago now. Um, I went down to Washington to see the Yankees play there in 2012. And my girlfriend then, now wife, got us these incredible tickets right behind the Yankee dugout. And it was my first time ever seeing Bryce Harper and i was just struck by how violent his swing is uh and that was on full display last night he was just punishing those balls at the end of the end of the finals there
1: yeah in the press conference after the derby he joked that his oblique would be feeling it today
2: <laughs> i'm sure that's exactly what the home run derby ruins you crowd uh wants wants him to say right
1: seriously i hope he's not going on the dl for an oblique problem <laughs> <laughs>
2: he could and it will be something completely unrelated like he'll pull it like fielding a ball or taking a real swing and someone will find a way to go back and blame it on the home run derby Mm
1: -hmm. like
2: everyone did with aaron judge last year even though he clearly ran into a wall and busted up his shoulder but no it was the home run derby's fault
1: of course now the rule that uh people are up in arms about because they think that harper cheated not meaning to cheat it just happened that way you can't hit or you can't pitch the next ball until the previous ball lands. I kind of, I get the rationale for it, but if you were watching last night, these guys were hitting crazy, majestic balls at these really crazy launch angles, and they were taking like six, seven, eight seconds to come down.
2: Yeah, I think for home runs, it's when it clears the wall you can throw. Mm-hmm. But if it's like if it's an out, you have to uh, you have to wait till it till it lands and luckily doesn't smack some poor child in the face, um, which I'm really surprised doesn't happen more often. I
1: saw some uh, some girl kick it off her foot. That was pretty funny. Oh,
2: that is funny. <laughs> it's like the Paul O'Neill from from Cincinnati play.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess there were maybe a couple of instances during those last few home runs for Harper that his dad threw a little sooner than he should have. But there is an ump back there who's supposed to like, you know, if, if it happens, they would wave it off and he didn't. So, you know, nothing was said about it until a few enterprising Cubs fans were like, wait a minute.
2: Yeah. And I I noticed at least once or twice Harper's dad stopping because he didn't get the, the all clear, um, and especially at like the last – I think the last second after he hit his last home run, he was about to deliver a pitch with one second left, and then the time ran out, and he stopped him right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did get that 30-second bonus round anyway, so it probably wouldn't have mattered, right? I right. think he probably still would have passed Schwarber anyway. I think he would have, yeah. And really, are you going to fight Bryce Harper's dad on this? Because oh my God. he is huge. <laughs> he looks like a WWE wrestler. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what he looks like. I would be, I would be terrified to have that man throw me batting practice. I think I'd probably break a break a limb if if he hit me with a pitch. It's just a batting practice pitch.
1: Yeah. Oh, and there were a couple times where he went in, like he was pitching in, and Bryce had to move.
2: <laughs> Could you imagine? It's pretty funny. What's the line from Major League? This guy hit his own kid in a father-son game.
1: <laughs> I love that. That's funny. So you like the new rules, right?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, you know, you grow up with the old ones and you like it, but it was clear that at some point it was taking too long. Mm Um, I think it'd be really cool if they went back to like the old 1960 home run derby and did like the, the, the nine inning matchup, but that's obviously going to take forever. Um, but the new, the new rules with the timing just make things go a little bit faster. Um, now with that timing rule, I wish there was a better way to film it because it is kind of jarring to have to look from one to the other and it, Kind of takes away from how cool the home runs look, yeah, but this is better than waiting around for ten outs, which could take forever
1: yeah in the in the earlier rounds it took the cameraman a few tries before he got the home runs right because a couple of mm-hmm. times in the early round uh who hit first was it Reese Hoskins I
2: uh i i you know what I didn't catch the first few rounds i was uh I was, uh, I was first. doing daddy things yeah
1: um but like they were zooming in too much on the ball.
2: So oh yeah, then you completely lose the context of where it is. Right. Yeah, that makes no sense. Right,
1: and a couple of times it was like, "Oh, you think it's really going?" And it lands like in the middle of the outfield. You're like, "Oh, all right, it only went like 200 feet."
2: <laughs> Apparently, John Sterling is the cameraman.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. I mean,
2: I, that was fun last night. I, I like yeah, it. Yeah. That that last round was just really exciting. I was I was eating some 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 homemade tacos and like had to put them down for a bit during that last round. It was just, it got really, really intense.
1: Yeah. So kudos to MLB for changing the rules on that.
2: Yeah. And and it's, you know, I looked at the Derby lineup and I was like, wow, this is like without Harper, this is like straight up NBA dunk contest at this point where there's just really no one you think is going to be interesting to watch. And then it turned out to be a really intriguing Derby, uh, especially the, the last two rounds. So uh, good job picking the, picking the, the no names except, you know, not no names, but the, the non-stars and, and letting them shine for a little bit.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, two months ago, no one knew who Matt Max Buncey was.
2: Right. And, and, uh, and I'm sure that Jesus Aguilar Aguilar is not a a household name. Hopefully he, he is now he's having a, he's having a really good year from Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, I felt kind of bad for him because he was eliminated so <laughs> soon. And I think, wasn't he the first? He was, he was the number one seed, so.
2: I believe he was, yeah. yeah
1: that' too bad. But, yeah. you know, just to be there is kind of cool and participate. And at least, you know, in this format, you don't have guys hitting no home runs. Because remember how many guys have gone into the... Oh yeah. Home run derby and not even hitting like how embarrassing is that?
2: Yeah. Uh, we, we've talked about it. The first, my, my, first, uh, one of my first sports cursing memories was hearing Nomar drop a big F bomb when he, he went over oh. in the, uh, in the Fenway home run derby. I think Sosa did it once. And then the, the year after Robinson Cano won when it was in Kansas city and everyone was angry that he was oh. participating in that noted, not home run hitter, Billy Butler, and uh, I think he, he had zero his sec- that second time.
1: Yeah, that was really – that was something to watch. I mean, they were just vociferously booing. <laughs> it was like, wow. They were really pissed. What it was was he was the captain of the home run derby team and he didn't pick-
2: – Oh, that's right. He didn't pick Billy Butler. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Oh, that's right. And, yeah, and that was at the point where the Royals were still the Royals and not the – 14, 15 Royals that actually had something to play for. Yeah. Understood. Now that's, a, Was that mean that sounded a little mean?
1: It sounded a little mean, but it's actually a good segue into the next segment, which we will I'll get to after this ad. Okay, so what's Sorry. what's coming up this weekend? The Subway Series, Part Two, this time in Yankee Stadium. Um, now let's let's talk about how the teams began the season,
2: because <laughs> I mean, the, the, I believe the Mets were eleven and one at some point. Eleven and one, and twelve and two, and the Yankees at some point were what nine and nine. They were nine and, and nine uh, after eighteen. Yep and uh the the picture was a lot different back then, wasn't it oh. um, <laughs> uh, my uh my cousin's wife is a is a Mets fan or, or kind of a, like a lapsed fan. He's a lawyer in d c so he works you know crazy hours and uh they texted me for my birthday and father's day and I said, "Oh, sorry about the Mets and he said, "What do you mean? I haven't watched since April and I said, "You're much better off." <laughs>
1: Oh my god, that's so funny! So the Yankees right now are sixty-two and thirty-three, and the Mets are thirty-nine and fifty-five.
2: Oh my goodness! Every time you say it out loud, and you know that that'd be bad enough on its own, but then to think of the slide that had to have happened after starting eleven and one mm-hmm. and twelve and two to only be up to thirty-nine wins in <laughs> mid-July—that's just
1: atrocious. They yeah, had a there's run, really no other word for. Them. Like they had a run of games. Uh, was it the end of June where I think it was like four games where they went scoreless.
2: Yeah. And they only, yeah, they, 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 I think it was coming into the series with the Yankees where they had only scored like two runs in the last 20 something innings. Right. Yeah. Uh, Multiple times this year, uh, this season um, I have gotten into my car at work. Uh, I, I teach in the Rockaways. And by the time I, and you know, the Mets were on, and by the time I, before I'd even left the Rockaways and gotten to like Long Beach, they had lost the game on some heartbreaking walk-off home run or hit.
1: Uh, I mean, just, it's 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 unbelievable. It, well, I mean, it's not, but it is.
2: <laughs> It'd be unbelievable if it were anybody but the Mets. Mm-hmm. But because it's the Mets, it's this, okay, yeah, this, this sort of makes sense. I, I suppose this is how people felt about the Cubs when they were not good mm-hmm. um, when I was, when I was younger and you know, that lovable losers type thing, like the inevitable loss or maybe even the Dodgers before you and I were even born when, you know, when they were in Brooklyn. Oh, right. Um, but yeah, it just seems like that self-fulfilling prophecy of we're the Mets. So something bad is going to happen. And then when something bad happens, it's because they're the Mets.
1: <laughs> I think the person I feel the worst for is their best player, Jacob de Oh yeah. He's, Okay, when I looked at these numbers, I was like, uh, that's really bad. He has a 168 ERA at the moment, but he's only five and four because the Mets' bullpen seems to love coughing up leads or allowing teams to – coughing up leads and then you know being down a run or coughing up leads and being tied. So he has 10 no-decisions.
2: Yeah, or just straight up not scoring. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that that like stick figure, I, I, I feel you, bro. Like, that's Felix Hernandez from what, six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, just giving Jacob deGrom a big old hug. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, you have to go through this, buddy. Or, or, uh, Hiroki Kuroda in the later Yankee years, mm-hmm. or Sonny Gray last year, which is always someone's turn to not get the run support. And for, Jacob deGrom, it's all year. It's, it's his turn. And uh, yeah, definitely feel bad for him.
1: It's, it's just, I, it's like every time he pitches, I'm like, okay, how are they going to blow it this time? <laughs> 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 just awful. And then, you know, his agent was talking about his future. And um, I'm going to read the quotes because they're pretty interesting. And, mm-hmm. you know, at one point, he, the, the agent had to come out and clarify what he said. Uh, He first said, we've discussed Jacob's future with the Mets at length. Jacob has expressed interest in exploring a long-term partnership that would keep him in a Mets uniform for years. And then there's a but. If the Mets don't share the same interest, we believe their best course of action is to seriously consider trade opportunities now. The inertia of the current situation could complicate Jacob's relationship with the club and creates an atmosphere of indecision.
2: <laughs> that is some weighty stuff at the end. Right? Um and it's it's clear from that bit that when he says we have discussed Jacob's future, it means he and Jacob have discussed Jacob's future mm. and the mets haven't been looped in on that yet. Right. Or if they have, uh it doesn't seem like they're they're thrilled with it. And I see where his agent is coming from uh, because I'm sure DeGrom loves being a Met. He was drafted by them. He was developed by them. He came up with them. He's turned into one of the five best pitchers in baseball with them. Uh, I I definitely see where he's coming from, but there's got to be that frustration. Like you just talked about a 168 ERA. Uh, And to have that many no decisions must just wear on him, Uh, you know, as whether he's I'm sure he's a a, a mentally tough, competent guy. And he understands that that's just what happens in baseball. But that's got to be frustrating to put up zeros, ones and twos, start in and start out and to not get rewarded for it. Uh, That's uh, he'd be a cyborg to not have that affect him in some way.
1: Right. And I think um, I had just glanced at. Joel Sherman's column from last night about DeGrom and I believe he said that he wouldn't what was it he wouldn't become a free agent until his age 32 year
2: I think that that makes sense I think I've looked that up before and that definitely complicates things because he did he did debut late and given the way teams are operating now you can see why the mets might be hesitant to extend whether now or at his free agent years but if they're if they're not gonna uh if they're not gonna do his free agent years right or they're not gonna wait till his free agent years you might as well trade him i guess i, I find their situation very confusing because with de syndergaard and mats and and to an extent wheeler you can win with that with that rotation it's just that where's their offense coming from? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nimmo seems to be breaking out, but Conforto's always been up and down and the rest of the lineup is pretty old with not a lot of upside there um, from any of the young players. They seem to have given up on Dominic Smith. Ahmed Rosario hasn't really done anything offensively. Um, are they going to rely on Devin Mezzarocco to be part of their next contending team? It's They're in a really tough spot because I can see the argument for keeping that pitching core together. But where is that going to be backed up by offense? You know, this is a team that's been built on this rotation for how many years now and it got them all of two playoff appearances. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And like you said, you know, you would think a guy putting up zeros, ones and twos would get, he would have at least 15, 16 wins now. And (laughs) their offense is so terrible That, you know, like we said, they had that stretch of games where they couldn't score at all. And it's like, what kind of future does this team have? Like, what can they even do to, I feel like they would actually need to trade the good guys away, get young farmhands in their system, and then do it that way. But that would take a
2: lot longer for them because. Right. With that rotation, you can win now, but if they're not going to go out in the free agent market and make offers for either Machado or Harper, uh, which we know the Mets at this point, they're not going to do it, uh, then you have to trade one of DeGrom or Syndergaard. And you don't have to trade both of them. You could you can keep one. You'll get a, a good return for either one of them, um, especially from the Yankees, um, but... You can keep one and and do some maneuvering, but if they're not going to commit to to going one way or the other, uh, I think they're just going to be kind of stuck in this cycle. Um, they're probably not this bad of a team, but are they? What's what's this team's ceiling as it's presently constructed? Maybe eighty-one wins if if they stop if everyone stops getting hurt mm. and Todd Frazier hits like he's supposed to hit and Cespedes hits like he's supposed to hit. Um, but. There's no there's no clear window of either competition or rebuild when you have a rotation that strong and little else.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Now, so what would you if if you're Brian Cashman, you're the troika of uh, mm. Mets people? What are you? What what do you offer for Degrom? Or vaguely, what would you offer for Degrom? Hmm. Hmm.
1: a tough one do you think it would be at least three players
2: i think it, it, it's i think yeah it has to be at least three and one of them has to be clint frazier mm-hmm. and one of them probably has to be justice sheffield as well yep, that's
1: what i was thinking
2: uh, <laughs> yeah and i think that you i think you say to the mets pretty much anyone not on the major league roster um Obviously, I, I would bend on Drury and maybe on on Andahar, but I don't think the Mets are going to want Brandon Drury and prospects. I think they'd probably want at least Andahar, Frazier, Sheffield, and then probably one or two other guys. Right. At the beginning of the deadline season, I was sort of hesitant on that, but I, I think you you can't not do that. Right. Given where the team is right now, given the rest of the American League given that DeGrom still has another year uh, or two after this one, you do it. Mm-hmm. I love Clint Frazier. Like I, I really love him and I would, I desperately want to see him succeed with the Yankees. I really think justice Sheffield could, could be a great starting pitcher, but flags fly forever. And the Yankees have a chance to grab one. Uh, and I think that you, you, you back the truck up for, for DeGrom at this point.
1: I agree. Now, I mean, it's all up to the Mets. You know, would they want to help the Yankees?
0: <laughs> I right. mean, I know Mets I think,
1: fans wouldn't want to help the Yankees, but of course, you know, the front office would be like, "All right, we're getting all these players. Yes, let's do it.
2: Hopefully, yeah." Th- that a, a trade like that would have the potential to be like the the trade the Yankees made to get Glaber Torres. Mm-hmm. It's a it gets one team what it wants and needs in the short term, and gives the other team what it wants and needs in in the long term. Trades should have some sort of win-win probability in there. I know the, that Brian Cashman has been really good at getting lopsided trades. Um, you look at the, the, the D.D. Gregorius trade or even going back to the Nick Swisher trade. He always seems to come out on top, but the Miller trade and the Chapman trade are great examples of win-win trades, mm-hmm. and I think DeGrom to the Yankees could be something similar. I highly doubt it's going to happen just because of the Mets' mentality towards the Yankees, whether it's the fans, whether it's the front office. Um, But it would probably behoove both teams to to get get a deal done.
1: Yep. Now, as for the Yankees, at 62 and 33, you would think they'd be in first place. (laughs) But they're not, and they're four and a half games back, which is astounding to
2: me. Yeah.
1: Because yeah, the, the Red Sox the Red
2: Sox just don't lose. They just they just do not lose.
1: And they they do what the Yankees are having trouble doing. You know, the Red Sox are nine and one against Baltimore. And the Yankees have accounted for like twenty percent of Baltimore's wins.
2: Yeah, it's 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 bad. I know they have they have more games against the Orioles coming up and I'm confident they'll uh they'll they'll make it up. But yeah, Baltimore's just in such a sad state. Um, I was down there for a work conference and uh, one of my colleagues and I got tickets behind the left field wall for like $9. The stadium was like three quarters empty. Um, It's granted. It was like a Tuesday night against, against Seattle and you're not going to draw a lot there, but yeah, it'd be nice to see the Yankees hammer on them a little bit, but uh, I'm not going to join the, the Twitter meltdown. That was that last Baltimore series. That was, uh, that was something else to behold.
1: Yeah. Like I wasn't melting down. I was just explaining that. The difference between a first place team and a second place team is the first place team beats up on everyone.
2: <laughs> right. And
1: uh, I mean, I know that they, But of
2: course, the Yankees have the opposite where they've beaten good teams. Yes. Like they've done really well against Houston and they've done pretty well against Boston. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they just split against Cleveland, but those were all really close games. And they're seven, um, uh, seven and two, five and two
1: against Cleveland because they swept them in right. home series. Right. So that's, yeah, that's the one good thing that the Yankees have over the Red Sox because I think they've had some trouble playing the better teams. Um, But like there's such a difference in the upper echelon of AL teams and then there's so many crappy teams or at least teams that are like hovering around 500 and under 500. And it seems yeah. like Boston's playing them all the time. All the
2: time. Yeah. And I think that's going to flop. I think I saw someone say that like 45 games the Yankees have left are against against teams under 500.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and there's no way they're going to play like four and six like they are against Baltimore, whatever it is, against the rest of the – for the rest of the schedule. There's right. just, there's no way that's going to happen. Right. They're getting Torres back. They're getting Sanchez back. Hopefully Tanaka gets himself into a groove. Hopefully Sonny Gray doesn't make, keep making me look like a jerk for saying he was going to have such a great year <laughs> and then not following through on it. Sonny, please, if you're listening, I really like you. Just please do whatever you have to do to pitch better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so before we go, uh, let's, let's look into our crystal balls.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How do you see the Yankees finishing the year? Because they have – what do they have, six head-to-head
2: games against Boston in September? So it's going to be – I think the last – and the last weekend, right? I believe so. Oh, God. All right. Um, uh, They're going to go into the last series tied. The Yankees are going to win on the last day. And then someone is going to knock Boston out in the wild card game. And it's going to prove that this stupid second – wild. I I hate this stupid second wild card. And this year – is the prime example of why, because some team that is vastly inferior to New York and Boston is going to get a chance to play one of New York and Boston in a one-game playoff, and that's ridiculous. But yeah, I'm going full-on blinders, Yankees only, Yankees win the division on the last day, and that's it.
1: I could see that happening, but for my anxiety, I hope that they wrap up the division <laughs> Um, that, would nice. that, would, that would be nice. That would my doctor for more anti anxiety meds.
2: <laughs> um, now that that would that would probably be. I think that everyone who roots for the Yankees would end up at the doctor for high blood pressure the <laughs> next, like the very next day.
1: And I, I really think the A's are going to pull off the second wild card. I think Seattle's going to fall wow. a little bit. And, you think
2: they're going to uh, they're going to get punished for that that you know they're going to they're going to get a little correction for that one game magic they've had mm-hmm. Or one run, game one run magic. I
1: mean yeah that's it's insane they they remind me of uh wasn't it the 2012 Orioles that had that insane yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so i i think i mean who knows but i said it like a week ago because the a's were playing so well that i could see and they're only what like 3 games behind the mariners now for that Something second like wild card yeah. so i see them being that wild card i'm hoping to god that boston is the other one and Mm. i mean i would love it because i think boston had a little trouble with them i mean they were no hit by what's his name
2: uh Maniah. yes
1: him so i think god september is going to be something to
2: behold yeah it is yeah (laughs) it's going to be it's going to be it'll be really fun um and there are close races in the National League too, which is nice considering how Boston and New York for the division or the wild card is really the only thing that we've gotten so far. Um, hopefully Oakland keeps making it interesting. There's just such a strange organization where they like disappear for a year and a half, two years. And then you look up and it's like, oh, they're comp- competing for wild card? Where did, where did they come from? I don't think I could name more than like five players on the A's if 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 I, could, if I if that.
1: You're better than me. I'm like maybe three.
2: <laughs> <laughs> i remember the days of staying awake until like two in the morning watching all those west coast games and now it's like nope if i make it to 10 30 i'm like all right i, I won the night <laughs>
1: ah, fatherhood
2: <laughs> yep
1: <laughs> well thank you for joining me
2: and thank you for having me it was a lot of fun
1: yes it was a lot of fun so uh you can check out matt's stuff over at river avenue blues Um, I'm sure you all know that website. It's very popular and very good. And I will talk to you all next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.